Welcome to the Next Greatest Thing podcast, powered by the Arkansas Valley Electric Cooperative Corporation. This podcast is a place where we come together with electric experts and dedicated operators to discuss current co-op events, leading-edge technologies, and communicate with AVECC members. We are Arkansas Valley Electric, changing the communities we serve. Hi, listeners. Barbara Jenkins here. This is part two of Behind the Scenes of an Outage. As we mentioned last week, the original interview lasted over 45 minutes, so we chose to split the episode into two parts. If you haven't listened to part one, we encourage you to go back and listen now. If you've already listened to part one, you can continue here. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is going to be for, I think, mostly for Chris and and Dawn. Um, Let's start with you, Chris, because they they work closely with y'all really on a daily basis, but especially in storms. Let's talk about the implementation of of drone technology and how that's helped. Yeah, um, uh, that's been a a great advancement for Arkansas Valley. Um, We use it on a daily basis and during storms, um, daily basis. You know, the guys are out flying some of this stuff, looking for right-of-way issues, things like that, to kind of prevent some of these outages during a storm. Um, So that's been a really good success for Arkansas Valley. Um, As far as in the storm, um, you know, there's some areas that we'll send them out on, and those guys can fly it out and say, hey, this is going to be a a huge extended outage on this one because of the amount of damage that's been done, and here's kind of how you're going to be able to attack it and actually have a good overview of what it looks like. Don? Uh, the drones have been very helpful. Uh, Chris touched on this already in the in the very remote areas. Uh, a lot of times when we have a lot of rain, uh, there will be a lot of creek crossings where you can't get the trucks crossed. And if you don't know what's over there, uh, you know it's we can send the the drone crew in and they can fly that fly that out. They can see a downed line, see a tree on the line. Uh, you know, tell how much how much damage is over there. And it's I mean it's very helpful uh, on those remote areas and chris touched on this a little bit in his answer but kind of like a proactive approach that we're using them you know not just when the storm happens but you were the right-of-way supervisor and now you're over the right-of-way department can you talk a little bit about how we are what that proactive approach looks like some of our problem feeders and our transmission lines we've sent the guys out and they have uh, flown uh, the transmission lines especially and some of the remote three-phase north of Clarksville, uh, they have spotted some uh, trees that's outside of the right-of-way that is, is either dying or dead and that's leaning towards the line that will get them when they fall. And uh, it's actually, we've been able to, by using that footage, go out and find those trees and cut them before that they ever actually fell during a storm. And you feel like that's helped? Oh, that's helped. Anything you want to add to that, John? I think they covered it pretty good. I think they did, too. They did a great job. Um, we've kind of went over what the what happens when the storm comes through and who's all on hand now. So let's talk about it's time to start restoring the power. And, John, you've touched on this a little bit, but I'm going to ask it formally now. How do, how do you determine or how do you, does the group determine which areas need the most help first? Uh, we do largest numbers first. We try to get on the biggest amount of members in the shortest amount of time. So we'll start at those higher number outages and work those first and work our way down. So it's, I guess it would be fair to say that it might be, it, 
it's easier to get the big numbers on first a lot of times than it is the you know a single person being out here or there. Yeah, when you start getting down to the single outages, it starts going a lot slower. Don? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Uh, Lots of times, you know, if the storm, it may have missed our uh, Van Buren office, and it may have sat down here in in Ozark, or it may have touched down at Clarksville. Uh, You know, we pull... We pull guys from every district, and we've sent guys to other districts. I mean, depending on where the storm actually hits, so it, uh, you know, it, it. We all try to work together in those issues. This one's strictly for you, Don. Okay. Maybe Chris too. We'll get Chris involved in this one. I'm a member, and I'm calling in. I'm out of power, but there's no damage around me. How can you explain this? Well. Uh, going back to the the way the distribution system is built, you have a transmission line that powers a substation, and then we have uh, circuit breakers out of that substation that go each direction. So you may live 10 miles from the substation, and a, a lightning strike hit that transmission line that feeds that substation, and or a wind blows a tree over on the transmission line, there may not be any damage around your house at all whatsoever, but uh, we've lost that transmission line and lost that whole substation. I think you snuck in a pro tip. If you're looking at a house in Arkansas Valley Electric's territory, get close to the substation. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's go a little bit different angle, um, Chris. I, I'm without power, but my neighbor across the street has it. What's going on? Yeah, that could be uh, just isolated to you and your transformer um, or whatever device is feeding you. Uh, just because, you know, they have power doesn't mean you're coming off the same feed as them. Uh, you may be coming around the backside of the property or from a different direction that something else has fell across it. So, What do restoration crews look like? Um, so maybe let's start with what does a regular crew look like? You mentioned five-man crews earlier. What what does that five-man crew look like? A construction crew will have a, a, a pole-setting truck that can dig its own pole hole, set the pole, and then usually a big bucket and then the foreman's truck. So it's usually, like I said, a five-man crew, sometimes a four-man crew, but it'll always have a big bucket and a, a pole setter. And our service crews that are out that will be – working outages most generally there will be a three-quarter ton pickup and then a small uh a small bucket truck and there'll be four guys all together uh especially in a storm and what are your what are your right-of-way folks doing uh they're going out ahead cutting right away uh you know for on on lines it's got a lot of remote uh area and timber uh they'll be working clearing the lines before the linemen get there this is not part of of this discussion but i think a common theme is right of way causes us a lot of issues and it's really important that that we get that cut beforehand and i think that speaks volumes to to the process that y'all put into place i mean over the last decade probably where we've really ramped up cutting right away on a maintenance level and that has that helped a, a great deal have you seen that bring down outage oh yeah it's it has helped tremendously you can see every year where we've where we've we've tried to start cutting a, around a thousand miles of a line every year, and the outages have really went down in those areas after those are all re-cleared. 
So a thousand miles of line, we have a little over six thousand. So we we cut a good deal of it. Yep, we're annually. on a we're on a six year rotation right now. Chris, what's the engineering department doing when all this is this is going on? When when we're restoring power, are we still bird dogging a little bit. What what's your what's your engineers in house doing? Yeah, so they'll start off. Um, like I said, we'll still have guys out bird dogging out in front of them. Um, once that's kind of done, some of those guys I actually transition over to leading some of these contracting crews that come in as well, um, kind of showing them around where where the next outage is and things like that. And we've got um, our engineering guys and that's doing the predicting on the back end in the office. Um, and then we've also got our um, uh, AMR coordinator. So he's also making sure that our communications are staying up to our meters and, and uh, such that we can ping them um, to make sure that we do or don't have power. Um, and then we we use a lot of our supervisors as well, going out and doing a lot of bird dogging. So you said ping. Yep. So what that allows us to do is um, we can send a signal across the power lines that will actually go down, and it will essentially ask the meter if it's if it has power or not, and it'll return it back. So how how is the smart grid going to improve communications in times like these? Yeah. So there's there's several aspects that we're looking at already, and some of them we've already implemented. Um, we're looking at some different type of devices that's going to go down line to where we can start connecting them to the smart grid. Um, it's going to allow us, instead of just having eyes at the substation for the SCADA system, it's going to move it down line, um, which will in turn provide better predictions, uh, hopefully narrow down some of those windows that we can't quite get to. So it's going to be another adva- advancement that that will make us more efficient. Huge, yep. Awesome. I mean, we'll know exactly when it goes off. All right, we're we're eight hours in now, Don. How much pizza have we eaten? <laughs> a whole lot. Yeah. Aaron Mantooth, he always does a good job of keeping y'all fed, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. When we've worked through, the storm happened at night, we've worked through it. When does the next day begin? We Like I said, we try, if, if we can get our power on in a 24-hour period, we'll work around the clock to that point in time. But when we realize that the 24 hours is not going to catch it, we try to—I mean, we try to shut her down by midnight and have the guys back in at six in the morning. That's not much sleep, but uh, it lets them have a little bit of rest, and uh, you can do so much more in the daylight than you can in the dark. So it just makes the restoration time faster. So we're looking at 16-hour days until everybody's back on. Yep. John, I know that you're involved in air quotes timing out. How important is it to keep up with that during the storm to make sure that we have fresh bodies that are that are actually being able to work in a safe manner? Yeah, it's very important. I mean, you don't want to be calling somebody that just got done working a bunch. You know, you want to give them time to rest. You want to work the the new guys that haven't worked lately. Is that hard to? Um, keep tabs on i mean do you put a lot of effort and time into that during a major outage yeah i mean we make it a priority to keep all that written down and uh we have you know we have a way of letting everybody know hey you know these guys are timed out so leave them alone let's go around the room john worst storm that that you've worked in your five years the tornado that hit mountain 
how many broke poles were we looking at? I think it was over 60, and four of those were around the interstate crossing. So that that's interesting. Let's talk about an interstate crossing. What what does that bring to the table that that makes those a a bad situation other than the interstate? Obviously, what what can you go into depth or maybe either one of you, Don, as well? We had to work. Uh, we had to coordinate that with the state police uh, and those because it was four poles, uh, two different structures on the opposite sides of the interstate. So we had to coordinate with the state police to get the wire back up across the, the freeway while the traffic was still uh, moving. So that took a little while. Uh, but in just a lot of departments you have to coordinate with to get it done. How long, so did you say 60 broke poles? Mm-hmm. How long did that outage last before we had everybody fixed? Three days? Three days. If I remember right, we had a tornado on Friday and snow flurries the next day, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Arkansas weather. Arkansas weather. Don, you touched it on the on the ice storm. Let's is that the worst one you've seen? And if it is, let's go to the second worst since you've already talked about that one. The the second worst was I think what made that storm uh the very worst was exactly one week before that storm hit, we had an ice storm right before Christmas that we had it took us a week to get everybody back on. So we had just we had just worked a week straight uh, to get all the power restored, and then it had just been a uh, a couple of days. And Christmas Day the, of two thousand, that's when that that ice storm hit. So we were already tired and give out from uh, when that one hit. At what point in the thirty days do you not want to be around Don because he's too cranky? <laughs> about about twenty days in. Twenty will do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, twenty will do it. Chris, yes, mine's uh, probably the tornado that came through the Alex Denning area, went up Clarksville. It just it was so spread out; it took out a lot, and a lot of those were actually some of our uh, employees that got hit as well. And to see them guys. Uh, you know, they took care of what they needed to get done at home, and then they came in and started working too. You know, a lot of passion behind it. Yeah, that one hit home for everybody. I know I can think off the top of my head. We had three employees that lost everything in yep. that one, and I'm probably forgetting somebody, but I know May it's three. May 2011. That's when that was. Let's go off script again, again, Don. This one just for you. Okay, I love it. Give me your best storm story of of you working. Oh boy! Uh, this was probably twenty-five years ago. Uh, we had worked about three days, three nights straight. We were north of Clarksville, way up in the mountains, uh, towards uh, Salus, and we were going to get the power on. To this point, we were. They, they had told us at the office, you know, if you can get it on to here, at this point, y'all need to come in and get some rest, and. Uh, our feet were wet. It was cold. Uh, I just remember, I, I think my feet had been wet and cold for, I mean, it seemed like for three days. And we just got the power heated up to this house, and there was a, a, a lady come out on the porch and hollered at us, and she said, y'all come on in here and warm up. And uh, this was an elderly couple, and it's pro- uh, she's probably my age now. <laughs> so uh, we, w- we went in the kitchen. And she had a, uh, it was a, like a picnic style kitchen table, and she had uh, four plates, 
uh, four bowls sitting there and four coffee cups. And she had a big old pot of pinto beans on a wood cook stove sitting over there and a pan of cornbread made. And she told us to sit down, and we sat down, and she dipped everybody's uh, bowls full of beans, and she poured uh, she poured everybody coffee. Uh, I drank four cups before I could ever taste it. <laughs> I didn't drink coffee until then, but now I drank it on a regular basis. Thank you, Lady and Salus. Yes. That's an awesome story. Talk a little bit about how we help. I'll start with Don on this one, too, and then we can go. I know Chris will be able to talk some about this, too, and then, John, you can jump in. Talk about when we send other folks, some of our folks, to help other cooperatives in storms and, and vice versa. Right. Uh, we actually, it's kind of unique you're asking, we actually just sent eight guys down to work Hurricane Laura. Uh, they were working for uh, Beauregard Electric in D. Ritter, Louisiana. Uh, they were there for 14 days. Uh, our uh, Arkansas statewide, they asked for volunteers, and we put a group together. And then when uh, Louisiana statewide uh, reaches out, they've got a pool of people to pick from. Uh, these guys, they worked, uh, the conditions were not very good, but they said it was about 95 degrees uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning. Humidity of about 90%. Uh, they were they stayed in a tent uh, on a cot. Uh, pretty bad working conditions, but, uh, you know, these guys, that's what they do for a living. And, you know, the, the people, usually I've never been to a, a place where the people really didn't appreciate you coming down and helping. I mean, the, just their members out there would try to feed you. Uh, even with the COVID-19 going on, these guys, they said they run into all kinds of people that wanted to help them out in every way they could, make sure that they had something to eat. And, uh, you know, we've, we've sent people over the years uh, on hurricanes, uh, ice storms, uh, tornadoes, uh, and just regular, if a, if it was just a bad thunderstorm that went through, you know, we'll go help our neighboring co-ops if, and they'll come, you know, we've had volunteers as far as Kansas to come and help us. And it seems to me that the one, the help that we get or the help that we give, those crews are always excited oh, about yeah. it. They're always glad and excited to, to go help. And that I think that's one of the things that makes being a cooperative awesome. Right. Chris? Yeah, I think that's one of the good things about being with a cooperative. I mean, um, you know, as far as the state in Arkansas and Oklahoma and some of the other surrounding states as well, we have a, the mutual aid agreements kind of between us all. And so in drop of a hat, they can holler and say, hey, you know, you guys got anybody you can send up this way? And uh, those guys are always willing to pitch in and help, uh, vice versa, either direction. Who makes the call here at the co-op where we get to the point and says, you know, we're going to have to have – a helping hand from somebody other than just contractors that we're going to have to call a cooperative or, or ask statewide for help. I guess that would be me. I think I knew that, yeah. Don. At, at what point is that? Is that right off the bat that you usually know that, or is that a couple of days in? It'll be a couple of days in. I mean, when we uh, – there have been times, and the, the storm that John was uh, referring to where we had the over 60 broke poles, it was the tornado that hit the Mountainburg area uh 
we were still finding we were still finding broke poles on that second day. Uh, but just because there was so much devastation, you couldn't get down the roads. So, you know, it may take a day or two before we get to the point to where, hey, we're going to have to call statewide and get some volunteers in here. John, do you learn something new every storm? Every storm. Yep. Don? Yes, I do. I, I've been here 35 years, but I learn something new just about every storm. Chris? You bet. All right, I think this is the last one. Um, obviously, it's it's. I should have prefaced this, put this in the introduction, but we're sitting with two employee of the years, right? Chris, what year? 14. 14, Don? 13. 13. Don, earlier today in a podcast that's going to go out um, before this one, was voted to have the best mullet by john so and you were up against joe dirt and billy ray sire so that's competition buddy yes there there's some talent in this room and y'all are all obviously in the positions that you are because you're very talented and you've proven to do a good job time after time but what does it mean to have good employees that work under you john it means everything um you know from the information or attention that you get to keep you know the record keeping uh keeping the guys safe out there uh, and the efficiency. I mean, it's everything. And we have a great group of folks that work here. I mean, dispatchers and all the linemen, the engineers, everybody, all top-notch. Don? I look at it like we're just one big family. Um, you know, we nobody can do their job without the other guy. It's just that simple. I mean, we have to have John's guys and dispatch to route us to where we need to go. We've got to have Chris's guys uh, – for drawing the, the work orders and, you know, helping find the trouble. And then the guys that's uh, – the guys that's out there, you know, pounding the ground, uh, they've, they, do a, they do an awesome job. And they're everybody that's, that works outside, uh, you know, that's what I always done for 35 years. One of the hardest things that I've ever done in the job that I'm in is setting down – and looking at a computer screen while those guys are out there uh, cutting the trees, jacking the wire, uh, changing out the poles. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's where the, bad, the worst conditions are. Uh, but, you know, we're, we all work well together, and I think it makes everything just so much uh, a smoother operation. Who gets the answer? You are slick? Uh, I believe I do. We'll we'll go to uh, the gallery on that in future episodes. Okay, Chris, when you close us out, what what does a great team around you mean mean to you as a manager? Oh man, it it means the most. I mean, without them, uh, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. Um, got a great team underneath me, I'm working side by side on a daily basis. Um, we got a great group of engineers, staking, subtechs, everybody. And across all departments, not just the the ones that are out putting up the lines, but even the in-house people that's making sure that food's ready uh, for a storm. I mean, there's so many moving parts to this. It takes, like Don said, a family to put all this together. Well said. I lied. This is going to be the last one. If there's one thing that, that you want the members to remember when when a storm hits, what what would that be? I would say that... 
we want to get your power on as much as you want it. Be and patient. Be patient. We're going to try our hardest to do it. Yep. We're we're putting in the hours. Y'all are putting in the hours for them. Yep. Don? I just uh, – I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, uh, I, I just want them to know that uh, we're doing what we're doing because of them. So, you know, without them as members, we would have no jobs. So everybody here is trying to, you know, to keep the lights on, and everybody wants to go home safe at the end of the day. Close us out, Chris. Yeah, these guys hit the nail on the head. I mean, with, you know, we want to be out there and get this stuff on just as just as much as the members do. Um, couldn't do it without them. So. Well, again, I want to thank y'all for taking the time out to do this. Y'all are y'all are critical to to storm restoration as well as everyday stuff. And I know that y'all are busy. We're recording this on a Friday afternoon, so so I know that y'all could think. Of, be doing other things but we appreciate it and we you know we appreciate all that y'all do do during storms and and y'all are awesome group so thanks for taking the time to be here with us thank you brandon thanks for producer barbara jenkins i'm brandon fisher stay safe man y'all are awesome that was good Thank you for listening to The Next Greatest Thing, powered by the Arkansas Valley Electric Cooperative Corporation. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MyEnergyAVECC. Visit our website at www.AVECC.com. We hope to see you down the line.